Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Hello and welcome back to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. Today is another day we're going to talk about suicide and living and life and choosing to stay and being here and just celebrating the fact that we're still here and this is a blessing every single day. Today is also part two of Heather's page. I told you guys we're going to try to do two episodes and she was nice enough and kind enough to come back. Are you kidding me? Amazing. So Heather, welcome back to part two of your story. Oh my goodness. How are you doing, sis? What's going on? Doing well. Thank you very much for having me back. Yes, man. Thank you so much for sharing. I know your, your story was just so, uh, for lack of a better word, heart-wrenching. I, I, and I've heard a few stories in my time, you can imagine. But And the way you crafted it was just so powerful. And you kind of just kind of gave us snippets. So we are ready. We're charged. We want to hear the rest of the story. So where do you want to begin? Well, I realized that I forgot to tell you one important thing that I did. Yes. <laughs> I, it was an important moment in my life. Um, when I left off in the story, I, I would just finish with college and that kind of stuff. But I need to just step back and back to uh, the end of my high school career. Oh, no, honey. Just it, the floor okay. is yours. Just go back okay. to go back to when your parents met. That's fine. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> Um, but to go back to, to a, a moment in high school uh, or two, um, I was uh, very active in music and, and I was in a, a small singing group that was, we did Christmas caroling around, uh, around the community. And it's kind of a big deal. It's, it's, it's one of the things that we did was we, we, we would sing at different, different groups and, and we would get hired for, you know, uh, Christmas parties and all this kind of stuff. But one of the things that we did was we went around to all the different elementary schools in the area and we would do our program for them because, you know, hey, entertain the kids. Um, we went to my old elementary school where that teacher was still a teacher and um, I was singing and I was singing and things were going well. And then I saw him standing in the back of the gym and everything that he did and said and made me feel came back and I could not make sound come out of my mouth. And I remember thinking in that moment, this needs to be dealt with. <laughs> 
And so I, before I graduated from high school, I remember thinking, I am not going to be carrying around the way he made me feel through the rest of my life. Good for you. Well, obviously, you know, you hear me talk and when I talk about him, it still gets to me. So obviously there's still some of that there. But what I did next helped a lot. It maybe wasn't the most mature thing, but I don't care. I picked up the phone. I called his home. Oh, girl. His wife answered. And I said, hello, is Mr. His name available? And she said, oh, yeah, let me go get him. So he came on the phone and he said, hello. And I said, hi, my name is Heather Hypley. Do you remember me? What? And, and he said, no, oh, yes. And I said, good, I'm glad you remember me. Do you recall the way you treated me when I was in your class? And he said, no. And I said, oh, you really need to recall the way you treated me, the way when I was in your class, because the way you treated me, no child should be treated the way you treated me. No child should be able, should be made to feel the way you made me feel. And if you are still teaching, and I know you're still teaching, you need to consider retiring. Goodbye. Good for you. <laughs> and it was, it, it, it was, I felt such a lift and so much off of my back. And later on in that day, I remember I told my mom, I'm like, you're never going to guess what I did. I called Mr. Ross. Oh, I just said his name. <laughs> oh no, she didn't. Oh my God. Welcome to my podcast. Let's all hang out. <laughs> and and I was like, I was like, I, ca I called Mr. Ross. He was really mean to me in elementary school. And I told him so. And mom was like, oh, yeah, I know you had some trouble with him. Oh, wow. She didn't know beyond you had some trouble with him. Yeah, I, I had some trouble with him. And, and that's kind of how, I mean, I just was like, yeah, yep, he was, he was a mean guy. Wow. And, and my mom, to her credit, she was like, well, if that's what you needed to do, then I'm glad you did it. Amen. You know, so, but anyway. So that was, that was a moment where I got to reclaim some, some stuff. And that was a great place to begin the episode. Oh my God, Heather, I'm in love with you every day. Oh. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's a story of victory. This is good. You know, stuck it up to him. Like he deserved it. He deserved it. Say that again, sorry. I said, yeah, he deserved it. <laughs> I hope it gave him pause. <laughs> but anyway, so I mean it didn't cure everything, obviously. Um, so where I left you was 1997. And I was sick in my apartment after not being able to do anything, go anywhere, or um, manage my life and control everything. And I had just tried to kill myself and I was sick. And I was really just 
after you try to OD on pills, you feel very, very, very sick. And I don't know if it was the next day or if it was a couple days later. It's all kind of a blur because, like I said, I wasn't sleeping. So everything, if you're not sleeping, it's hard to keep track of anything. Nothing works if you're not sleeping. Just nothing. And then, and then pile on, you know, some severe depression and, and all of that. It, it, things weren't making sense. And then at one point, <clears throat> there was pounding on my door of my apartment. And it was my parents who I did not want to see. Because I didn't want to see anybody. But um, they couldn't get a hold of me, obviously. And they were scared. And eventually, eventually they talked their way into my apartment. Um, and they were like, what's going on? And I was, I don't remember really, I don't remember a whole lot of the conversation even. Um, I was not in a good place. And I remember at one point being like, well, you want to know what's going on? And I pointed over to the the couch that had, you know, when you, when in the, the, the pills, some of the pills come in those foil packs that you have to peel back the packaging, all of the, the foil yes. from yes. that package were still on the couch. Wow. And yes. I said, you want to know what's going on? That's what's going on. And so they took me to the hospital and, you know, the, the hospital tried to, they, they, they're like, what, what, what did you take? And I was like, well, I, I mean, I took a, a bottle of Tylenol and a bunch of Benadryl and a, and a 40 of beer and I threw it up. Hmm. Um, and they were like, well, that's good. <laughs> and I was like, is it? Um, and they tested me and luckily, like I didn't do any lasting damage to my body. Yeah. Um, and they in they they put me into what was a, a part time in what's the word for when you get admitted well admitted inpatient part, yes ma'am yeah, yeah. A, a part time inpatient program for depression and things and that was good. I, I think I was, I believe it was like a two week program and my mom pretty much moved into my apartment and, uh, cause it was, it was, you'd go to the, go to the classes and, and, and the clinic and, and all that kind of stuff for like 8am to 3pm and then go home. And in that time they're, they're figuring out your medication and they're figuring out, you know, a plan for going forward with your life. And I remember it being a really positive, positive um, experience. experience. And at that same time, my mom had been working on herself and had gotten herself on anxiety medication and had been doing a lot of therapy and, and, and she was in a much better place and she was really able to, um, some strength, some strength. Like, some like she was able to 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 finally be there in a time where oh. I I could no longer I couldn't fake it anymore. 
fine anymore. I, you know, I, I've been waiting for you to, to get there because I, I know that that's what's, that's what's left. Mm-hmm. It can only be broken so much. And then one day you are broken mm-hmm. into. Yeah. And um, now is this post-college dropping out? Because did your parents even know about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It was a it was a private school and they still mailed everything back to your parents. And, you know, so, you know, they, they knew I was not thriving. So, um, yeah. So the, 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 that hospitalization was was pretty good. And I felt like I was able to, you know, start on medication for the first time. And, and, and you know, I really thought, OK, I've got it together. Um, closed up the apartment in in that town moved back to my parents um, here, actually where I live now, um, back to my parents' town um, because like I didn't have a job, things were not stable and we just needed to like get me back and, and get, my, get my feet underneath me again. Yeah. So moved back here. And the funny thing you said, I'm sorry to interrupt you, we'll go back to that, but you're one of the few people that have, have actually verbalized that the experience in the hospital was good. Yeah. Yeah. Very few, I don't know if you know this or not, but very few of my clients, my patients tell me that it was good. They don't want to go back. They hate it. Well, I think it depends on the hospital too, because I, I had a, another experience that we'll get to where, wow, that was not, you know, um, yeah. but uh uh, moved back to moved back to my hometown with my parents and and um, yeah I, I worked uh, and and saved up some money and uh, suddenly I decided okay well I'm moving to Minneapolis um, which you know with one of my friends and and fine um, I think my parents weren't exactly thrilled about it because it really wasn't that long it was probably a year yeah between total collapse and then me going back out on my own. Um, but I, I still feel like it was something- how, much time is, how much time is long enough? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, you start going and putting one ginger fruit foot, gingerly placed foot in front of yeah. the other. I mean, 30 steps, but then also eventually you're gonna start running again. I was in my early twenties and I wanted my life to start. And, yeah. and I still, I was still, that same person who was smart and was capable and could do lots of different things. And, you know, at the same time, you can still be that smart person and that capable person with having challenges and with having depression and with having lots of different things to deal with. So yeah, I, I decided it was, I, I wanted my life to start. So I, I moved to the cities with one of my friends. And when you find out that your roommate has a borderline personality disorder, um, it's not the greatest. Um, and, I, and, and as a person who has a tendency to um, like I said before, uh, I'm empathetic. So I kind of, I, I take in those emotions and I also have a tendency to, when something is going on, to turn the drama inward and make it all my fault. When you're living with a person with, with that particular disorder, I was not aware of it when we, we decided to become roommates. Um, it was a lot. And I... Once again, you know, 
as a, a kid in her early 20s, started having financial difficulties, you know, not making enough money and those bills started happening again and the calls from the student loan people started calling again and the pressure and I still wasn't sleeping and, and, and I found myself not being able to get out of bed again. I'm not sure that the people in my life know this, but I tried to kill myself again. Same method. Mm. And I failed again. And one of my, one of my good friends, um, one of my good friends from, from college who lived there in, in the same town, she, she stopped by um, when I was in the midst of all of this. And I believe just post doing that. Um, and, and she was like, I don't think your life is working the way you want it to work. Mm. And I was like, no, it's not. Mm. And, and she was like, well, you know, that's, that's okay. Mm. But maybe you just need more help. And I was like, yeah, I probably do. So I ended up at um, a hospital in St. Paul. And when you say experiences at hospitals are not necessarily positive. You were going there. I was waiting with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, I mean, I checked myself into this hospital. And, and it's... It's a fairly famous hospital. Um, I, I, it, was, it was a Friday and I had just gotten paid and, mm. and uh, I had cashed my entire paycheck. And like, none, of this, none of this makes sense. I had the entire paycheck of money in my wallet. And then I thought, I'm gonna go check myself into the hospital. <laughs> um, and so I remember I got there and I, I got to the ward and they were checking me in and there were two guys who were like going through my belongings and stuff. And um, they were signing in everything that was, that was in my purse and stuff. And, and they, I remember, I remember seeing them look at each other. They glanced at each other and they looked at my wallet and the one wrote down a hundred dollars and they had me sign, but that was how much was in my wallet. There was $420 in my wallet. Hmm. And I remember thinking, that's not the right number. But I don't want to accuse them of anything. Because what do I know? Hmm. And then I thought, they're just going to take your money. But I didn't want to bother anybody. And I didn't want to create a scene. So I signed off on it. And you can be damn sure that when I checked out, there was a hundred dollars in my wallet. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, they, they, they put me in the wrong, put me in the wrong ward. Um, they, there was no room in, in the, in the, the right ward um, at first. So they put me in the like elderly um, section which I mean, no shade to the elderly section. They're there for what they need. But I, I mean, it wasn't what I needed. Oh, <laughs> so, 
I'm done. Yeah, I was there for a couple days and then they finally moved me um, into into a a ward with people my age who are dealing with um, with depression, anxiety, suicide attempts and addiction. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You're going to get we might as well put you with oh my god well yeah i heard you i heard you insinuate that all hospitals are not equal (laughs) yeah but i remember thinking okay well i think the the people who are dealing with addiction uh addiction challenges they need a a a lot of different things than maybe some other it, it it's very different different care yes different type of care yeah but on the upside, there were some very wonderful people. And, 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 you know, I just sort of remember sitting in the, I mean, I was, this was inpatient care. I remember sitting around talking to some of those folks and it was just nice to, to talk to some people who weren't afraid of having their flaws and didn't feel like they needed to cover them up all the time. And I learned a lot of lessons there, you know, and these people that I, that I will never, I never saw again, still live in my heart you know, and, and they were lovely and fantastic. And, and I hope they're doing well. Mm. And I learned a lot from them. And I also learned that I needed to not do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, some of it was a surrender to process of getting better hmm. and yeah. once I was able to do that yeah, and, and like not have to control every situation I was in yes that's when things started getting better hmm. I ended up moving back to once again back to this same town that I'm in right now <laughs> I moved back here I but I, I didn't move to my, my parents' house. I, I moved directly into my own apartment and got a job and was a manager and started working and, you know, got the medication squared away. And had talked to several therapists at this point. You know, I, I was in therapy. So, you know, and was starting to learn about, you know, my own control issues and and starting to actually believe that depression is not a comment on how good or bad of a person you are and to not take it all in internally. The fact that I struggle with, emotional issues doesn't make me a bad person oh no never it yeah. never did makes you realer than you think because a lot of <laughs> you're also willing to talk about yours which is which is why you can laugh out loud right now a lot of people are still in that space where it's like oh my god you know people are going to judge me people are, but you know you made the connection with you know it doesn't matter what people say about me you made with that you made that connection a while way before now yeah but it's a journey it's a journey it's, it's yeah. not easy, but it's a it's a journey but it's doable and you're doing yeah. it yeah yeah so, so here i am back in my 
uh, like second hometown. My parents are living here and, you know, life is continuing. I'm working and uh, I'm getting my brain together and things are starting to to click. And um, that is when my mom really, really figured things out. She got it. And we had some really great conversations and really was like, uh, I let her know how I felt about things that had happened in the past. She, you know, was willing to take, to take some accountability on that. And that made a major difference in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Also, the fact that she was on some really good drugs you know, some really good anti-anxiety drugs. Thank God. Whatever People it takes. Whatever, them. Whatever and it they takes. serve a purpose. And she made it, it's night and day. Hmm. And, 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 and I'm so thankful, uh, especially since around that time, um, you know, my, my dad really started dealing with depression issues. I mean, and I'm realizing as my parents are struggling with mental illness and stuff, I'm like, oh, wait a second. So I didn't really, I came by all this pretty honestly. Luckily, you know, my parents at that point and I were really willing to talk about things and they talked about their struggles with mental illness and, 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 and I'm discovering at that time that, you know, my grandparents all had this legacy of some, some, some struggles and like my grandma and, and probably some undiagnosed things happening. And to find out that I wasn't this, the only person in my family, like I thought I was, who was having some issues was a major, like you get the information, you, you get fully informed on the situation and, and it doesn't seem so daunting. But also that's what I'm talking about. The fact that people, this, this silence thing, the silence bit of it is the problem. Yeah. The silence, bit. oh, you didn't know? No, I didn't know if someone had told me maybe like 10 years ago, like mm-hmm. how different my life would have turned out. Mm-hmm. When when my whole family started talking about the things, and then it was sort of like a sunrise, you know, like okay, I get it. I'm 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 not alone. You're not alone. Why are we not talking about these things? Yes, you struggle. I struggle. Okay, cool. Kind of got that all nailed down and figured out, and then that was when my my father um, became. It was start, started suddenly to have seizures mm. and was eventually diagnosed with um, glioblastoma multiforme brain cancer. Ouch. And that is a particular kind of brain cancer that generally generally is is diagnosed in in males in their 50s. Um, that's when it's most common, although it happens in others. Um, and it is a particularly aggressive form of brain cancer. It is very aggressive. And, and once we had a diagnosis on him, which was in um, July of 2005, he died in, no, I'm sorry, July of 2004. 
you died in January of 2005. Mm. And, and with that, I, I like to, for those who don't know mm. very much about brain cancer and that particular form of brain cancer, um, I like to kind of liken it to a Alzheimer's and fast forward. Mm. And he went from being my dad, who, when he said stuff, that's how it was. Mm. I mean, from his first couple seizures, his first seizure, um, I remember it happening, and mom and I were actually, we were all together. And, and it was very weird. Um, he, we were having a conversation, and then all of a sudden, you could tell that he was just gone. And, and it was probably for like maybe a minute and he didn't like fall on the floor or anything like that. He was just, it was like, it was like his personality had just left his body for a moment. And that was the first time we had a seizure. And I remember my mom and I being like, um, do you want to go to the hospital? Because that was really weird. And dad was like, no. I wonder where he got. So now I know where you get that. You got that. I'm fine from. No. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Wow. And so, so, but when, but when dad said he didn't want to go to the hospital, that was the final word. He didn't want to go. Okay, fine. After that, he ended up having more serious seizures. And obviously, you know, when you fall on the floor, you're going to the hospital. So um, yeah. And it wasn't, it was, it was a revelation, not a great one, to go from being the kid to parenting your parents. And I'm very grateful that before he got sick, he and I were also able to have some very frank conversations about things that had happened before. Thank God. Um, and, and he didn't remember everything the way I remembered it. And I guess that is what it is, you know? I'll say. <laughs> but but we, were, we, were, we were also good. And it is a little strange. My dad died when I was 30. Um, so many of my friends, I remember them talking about how difficult it is to turn 30. Oh my God, I'm turning 30. I'm so old. And I remember thinking on my 30th birthday, I just fed my dad his lunch because he couldn't eat it himself. Oh, no. I'm not worried about turning 30. Hmm. Um, yeah. So becoming your parents' parent and having to, to tell them you know, what they're doing and what they can do and what they can't do. And, and cause his reasoning, uh, his, his tumor was in the, it was in apparently in the reasoning center of his brain. So um, he had some, a little bit off the wall behaviors that started happening and that was hard. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I remember being glad that I could be there from my parents because you know I love my parents and yeah so the thing was 
I wasn't done and I hadn't worked through absolutely everything. But yes. Who does? I was just gonna say, yeah. I mean, you have the rest of your life yeah. too. And there's no there's no pace. There's right. No pace. Right. It's still it it it's upsetting though, even you know, 15 years on after my dad has died, to come across things in my brain or even come across things that are packed away in a box or whatever that make me mad, that mm-hmm. make me want to talk to him and say, Dad, what were you thinking? Mm-hmm. And he's dead. Mm-hmm. So you get no response. That's not to say that I don't talk to him and tell him, <laughs> you know, hey, dad, what was that? But um, sometimes on my less good days, I, I kind of think you got the easy way out. You don't, you never had to deal with everything. No, obviously he didn't. He had brain cancer. He, he wouldn't have chosen that. Hold on. Sorry about that. I know I, I always tell my, my guests to just, Come with your tissue, come with your drinking. Yeah. So I had to learn forgiveness without getting the feedback from them telling me that they understood my forgiveness. That is so powerful. Because it doesn't matter if they understand it or not. Mm -mm. It's my forgiveness. I mean, and I am grateful that like we got things figured out for the most part, you know, we were good. And yeah, so. Does that feel good? I like that exhale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. One of the cool things um, was that my dad before he died, got to see me get a great job, <laughs> got to see me get health insurance, got to see me succeed. Um, I, I started uh, uh, once again into my, uh, my career of, of broadcasting and I was, I was doing, I was a morning, not morning, I was afternoon drive announcer at one of our local radio stations here in town. And that was a great job. And I was there for many, many years and I learned a lot. And, and I'm grateful for the opportunities that I got there. And like I said, I was there for like almost, almost 18 years, which is an amazing length of time to be in radio because especially these days, mm-hmm. uh, that is not the most stable career, you know? So uh, that was, you know, after dad died and I got my job, like career figured out. Uh, I really started setting down roots in this town that we moved to and I moved away and I moved back and I moved away Mm -hmm. and I had so many issues with and my parents had a hard time being accepted in. Mm -hmm. I bought a house here. I bought a dog. Well, I didn't buy a dog. (laughs) 
that sounds weird. I got a dog. And like, and, and, and really started laying down roots and claimed this place as my own. Man. Despite all of its flaws, um, no place is perfect. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small town in outstate Minnesota. And it's not, it's, it's a very white town and with, with all the baggage that comes with that. And that's never really been, I love to travel. I love the wide world. I love to see what's out there and there just isn't very much diversity here. So we're just gonna put a pin in that concept because we come back to it. So I'm working in communications and at, uh, podcasting kind of comes onto my 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 uh, my screen, my my thoughts as I I think as we all started getting better phones. I've always loved talk radio, and uh, one of the things that that helps me sleep is listening to voices. Silence wakes me up. Music wakes me up. Um, so I would listen to talk radio overnight when I discovered podcasting. Um, I started listening to podcasts overnight and it's so helpful as long as they don't have music in them because the music will wake me up like, oh, <laughs> such a light sleeper. But uh, as I started listening to podcasts, I'm like, well, there's no reason I can't do that too. I mean, I knew how to do sound production. I knew how to do recording and editing and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I, I started podcast many many years ago in the dawn of podcasting with one of my friends from even college when, even when even before podcasting became a thing it's interesting yeah. how your story turned around it went it had a lot of twists and turns but ultimately it's a story of victory and i, I don't and I, I want people to always recognize that most of most guests i have on my podcast are sharing their victory ultimately that that is yeah. what it is i mean you are here you survived, you're thriving. My friend calls it sir thriving. And it's a good thing. You know, you didn't go to college, you went to college, you didn't graduate, you graduate. it doesn't matter because right. look where you are today. Yeah, well, and I think too, my, my, my story is ultimately a story of telling the truth mm -hmm. and not being afraid to, to talk about things. We, that first podcast we had was a weekly podcast, went on for about a year, and this was 10 years ago. So, I mean, not only did I have to tell people that I had a podcast, I had to tell them what a podcast was, you know, <laughs> but it was good experience. I'm brand new in that department because mine is only a, a little over a year old. Okay, okay. Being a trailblazer for all it's worth. I know the lockdown, kind of got everybody from me to Michelle Obama to Barack Obama oh, yeah. to yep. Oprah. Everybody got a podcast now. Yep, they do. They do. Who has staying power? So people like you who had one for 10 years, definitely you know. Well, the, the, the first one only lasted for a year. Because uh, it was, and, and we figured stuff out how to do things before there was a whole lot of technology that was helping us. Yeah, Zoom didn't exist back then. Mm -hmm. And all the different apps to do podcasting did not exist. Mm -hmm. And my friend that was my co-host was 
um, lived in the cities. So, you know, we weren't in the same room together. So I had to figure out how to make all that audio work. And, and, wow. and you are yourself. that's amazing technology. Then 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And Skype and <laughs> yeah, they have now. So Heather, thank you so much for sharing your story of survival as far as I'm concerned. Like I said earlier on, it's a story of victory over all of the hardship. So three questions. First of all, where can the listeners find you and follow you? Second question, let us know the name of your podcast again for those who mm-hmm. are part two and not part one. And if you haven't listened to part one, hopefully you go back and listen to part one of Heather's story where she kind of told us the beginning. And then the third question is, or not question, but request at this time is just a word of advice again for those people listening. So let's begin with where the listeners can find you so we don't forget. Um, you can find me on uh, wherever you find your podcasts, like Apple Podcasts or uh, yeah, Stitcher. Um, most most podcast providers, the name of the podcast is You Should Have Asked Me First. Mm-hmm. And we talk about all different sorts of topics there. It's basically whatever I'm thinking about the most is what <laughs> I'm going to talk about. <laughs> and we cover, oh man, have we covered a lot of different topics. So it, it's interesting. I think I am thinking about our next show, kind of starting to put that together in my brain. I, I have a long-term project that I'm working on, more of a series of about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but then I need to do smaller episodes about different topics. And a lot of it has been about uh, dealing with, uh, with with quarantine and dealing with uh, living in a world with coronavirus in, in different ways, looking at like creativity and positivity and, and things like that. And yeah, check us out. Um, and you can uh, also like us on Facebook. Got a pretty good community there. Uh, I did want to mention, that I, I talked about making change in my community because it was so conservative and was so uh, white. <laughs> wasn't going to go there. Listen yeah. Um, uh, it's something that needed to change. I don't even know if Minnesota is blue or red at this point, but you know, better for you to say that than me. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm all about good trouble, but we'll just leave that alone. Yes. Yes, good trouble. Uh, one of my friends, I read an article in one of our one of our local magazines that was written by um, a black lady who had moved to town a couple of years before, and she wrote about her experience moving to our small town and how challenging it was. And I thought, one, I want to get to know you. Two, that's a really amazing story, and we need to hear more about that. So uh, I, I just never really ran into her <laughs> in town. So eventually I was like, yeah, I'm just going to have to get a hold of her. So I sent her an email and I was like, have you ever thought about having a podcast? I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want to, you know, we, we just need to get this, the word out. Put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. So we teamed up and um, we are now producing partners and she, her, her podcast is called... Uh, unapologetically anxious me confessions of a Haitian girl in small town Minnesota that's all right that's all and, right. and all that one is also available on all of the all of the, the the providers and and she talks about what it's like and and it's a challenge and she has taught me so many things and 
I feel like being able to talk about the experience of, of being a minority in a majority white community is a way that I can help my community get better. Because a lot of times we just don't know because we have only dealt with other white people and we can do better. And like you said, good trouble. So I'm causing some, some good trouble in my community and I wouldn't have it any other way. Amen. And that is ultimately going to be, you know, your legacy. I know a lot of times we don't, we just don't know, you know, which yeah. way all of that trauma, like I like to say, all of that happened for you versus to you. And most people just don't realize that it happened for you to mm -hmm. come here today, exactly where you are. Yep. And so what about the words of advice for the, for the listeners? Words of advice. Well, by the way, do you have like IG or Twitter or anything like handles? Oh, you know, you should have asked me first is on Twitter. I'm not awesome at Twitter. Um, I will go in streaks of tweeting and then not tweeting. Uh, we are also on Instagram. Honestly, if you just look up, you should have asked me first. You're going to find uh, all of our socials. Um, like Our Facebook is really, really, really probably the way to go if you're still on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And you should have asked, uh, um, unapologetically anxious me is also on Facebook and, and they've got uh, major 30,000 people in their community. I mean, my goodness, join up with them too. It's a lot, It's there's a lot going on, lots of great conversations. I don't think it's for Haitians only. I think really no. wants to grow, grow up, grow their mind up is what I like to say. If you yeah. wanna grow your mind up and you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. so there's lots of, lots of teaching and lots of just, uh, uh, just, hey, think about this and look at it this way. You know, I just love looking at the world in different ways and that's what we do. So, um, but words of advice, don't shut up, keep talking. And when you think you've said enough, talk about it some more. Because a lot of times <laughs> people aren't gonna listen the first time, they're just not. So say it again and say it again until they get it. And then when you think they've got it, say it again. The world does try to silence us and we don't have to shut up. Yeah, I mean, keep talking. That's my advice. I love it, keep talking. Well said, very, very nice way to end it too because that's what we've been doing. And anyone who knows me knows I'm all about talking. I'm working on my listening now though. So I think I hopefully... <laughs> But um, so y'all, you know, thank you so much again, Heather, for coming not once but twice to, to visit and play with us. I appreciate it. We all do appreciate it. Your story has, has definitely got me thinking. And I also like the fact that you have converted all of that to words and now you're now unapologetic, unapologetically telling your story to whoever wants to hear it and should rightfully hear it. And for the parents to, to realize that sometimes those little things you say in passing, will follow your child like a choo-choo train all the way into adulthood. So be careful what you say. Don't be, don't just assume that, oh, I was just kidding because the kids don't forget. A friend mm -hmm. of mine, actually, as, as a matter of fact, her podcast dropped yesterday, the 12th. She was also a guest on my podcast. It was called What Children Remember is the name of her book. And it's amazing. The book is all about trauma and surviving trauma and just literally what children remember. So you probably want to just eyeball that book. Um, Heather, as, as you write your own. But, um, and of course, I like this unapologetically anxious me. So I'm going to look that up as well. So y'all go support these people, you know, just show them some love. We need to be all about each other. I mean, that's how we're going to survive. 
But other than that, Heather, thank you, thank you, thank you. My name is Dr. Lulu, AKA the Momatrician. Try to do something good today to make you feel better. All right, believe it or not, there's always somebody worse off than you. On that note, we'll hear you guys next week. Peace out, be good, bye. Bye, Heather. Bye, Dr. Lulu.